0: You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson.
1: So, the reading uh, for today is from Galatians, chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 18. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfil the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows." Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I, as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision, circumcision in the flesh. for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen.
0: When I was in my early 20s, uh, some mates and I would go every Easter hiking in the snowy mountains down in southern New South Wales. It was great. We'd be out there for like three to five days and we carried everything we needed on our backs in our backpacks. It was a great way to experience the beauty of God's creation and to build some great friendship as we walked and chatted together. One year, one of the guys who was with us was a bit more inexperienced, he hadn't been before, and he'd bought a new pair of hiking boots before coming that he hadn't really worn in properly. So even at the end of the first day, he was starting to develop blisters on his feet and it just got worse and worse. And it got to the point where for him, Carrying a heavy pack and covering the kilometres that we need to cover each day became really, really difficult. So what do we do? I mean, we're out remotely in the bush. We're all in this adventure together. So what are we going to do? Well, we basically got his pack and we pulled all of the heavy stuff out of his bag and put it in our own packs and we made his pack as light as possible so that he could continue to walk with his painful feet. And then when that got too much at the the end of the third day, we basically took it in turns to get his pack and we'd carry that on our front as well as our own packs on the back and we'd do stints to carry his pack for him. Now that's a pretty good visual illustration for what Paul is encouraging us here in Galatians chapter 6 when he says in verse 2, carry each other's burdens. It's a challenge for us who are followers of Jesus to be the church to each other, to help one another out and to help carry the load when people need that assistance. Now, of course, Paul is talking metaphorically here. He's not talking about backpacks on a hike. He's talking about the things that crop up in life from time to time that are hard to deal with and that we need other people's help with, Uh, physical sickness or pain that comes our way, Uh, relationship tensions or breakdowns, temptation to sin that we're wrestling with, mental illness, Uh, unemployment, or numerous other things that might come along and be very difficult to deal with. And we're not meant to deal with them by ourselves either. You know, God created us for community. And in Jesus, as we've seen through the book of Galatians, he's created a new humanity, a new community, a new family in Jesus where we're united together in him. We can often uh, entertain a bit of a myth of self-sufficiency, that we can do everything on our own. If we just knuckle down, we can do it. But it is a myth, and it's a myth that Paul wants to prick. Here's what he says in verse three. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. See, the trouble is that if we think, oh, I'm ruggedly independent, I can do it all on my own, I don't need anyone else's help, then what it often happens is it leads to feelings of, of pride. And when other people are struggling and need help, we can tend to look down on them and think that we're better than them, that somehow they're weak and we're strong. And we can get annoyed by those who need help. Well, someone might say, "Um, well, yeah, I admit from time to time I need help, but I can do it in God's strength. I mean, doesn't it say in Psalm 55, cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. And Jesus himself says in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So, yes, I have difficulties, but I cast my cares, my burdens, my struggles on God, and he sustains me. Well, it is true that God is there to help us in those situations, that we should turn to God and seek his help. But it's also true that the way that God often provides the help that we need in situations that are tough and where we're struggling is through people. People and the church are the means that God uses in order to help carry those burdens that come our way. Well, someone else might say, well, Tim, what about verse 5 where it says, Each one should carry their own load. I mean, is Paul contradicting himself in the space of a few verses here? Should we carry one another's burdens or should each one carry their own load? Now, what we need to notice here is that the word for burden and for load are different words and they have different meanings. So a load where it says each one should carry their own load is referring uh, more to, you know, like a, a day pack when you're out for a little short stroll and you might need, you know, a little bit of food to snack on and your water bottle, maybe a raincoat. It's a lighter load for shorter distances as opposed to a burden, which refers to something that is really heavy, struggle to carry it, and you've got to do it for a long way. So... Paul's not trying to diminish personal responsibility. Each of us do have to take responsibility for our own lives and actions. We need to do what we need to do in order to get through each day and to live responsibly for God and for other people. But it's also true that sometimes circumstances become too much for us. We just get smacked from left field in a way that we're not expecting and we do need help. A load, in that instance, becomes a burden And that's where we've got to be there for each other maybe another of my hiking stories will help to illustrate it Uh, when i was in year 10 at school i was an exchange student in canada it's a wonderful six months of my life and part of being on exchange at that school was i went on an outdoor education camp way up in the north of canada uh, in the snow uh, on this frozen lake covered in snow and we went out hiking for a few days with snowshoes and again everything on our backs, hiking along. Now there was one of the guys in the group who frankly was a bit lazy. There was, there was no reason that he shouldn't have carried his own pack. Um, he was fit, he was strong, he was on the ice hockey team, he was healthy, but he just didn't want to do it. And so he was a fairly rich, spoiled kid. So he started paying people to carry some of the stuff that he was supposed, supposed to be carrying. I think I made 20 bucks from carrying the shovel um, that he was supposed to be carrying for digging the toilets. Frankly, he should have been carrying his own load. Um, And you can see the contrast, can't you? In one situation, it's a person who's willing to do it, but circumstances is just too much and they need help. They need other people who are alongside them to help carrying something which is too much for them to carry. In the other illustration, the person isn't taking responsibility for themselves. And so both of those things are true, that we need to carry our own load, but we also need to be there to help one another to carry each other's burdens. This one another command, to carry one another's burdens, is one of about 50 commands in the New Testament which use that phrase one another and which refer to the responsibilities that we have to one another as fellow followers of Jesus. So here's some of them. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Build one another up. Care for one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. And there's plenty more where those came from. It's on the basis of those one another commands that we here at St John's talk about our commitment to mutual care, that all of us as followers of Jesus have a responsibility to one another. And in the church, we have to exercise mutual care and look after one another as fellow believers. It's not the sole responsibility of the ministry team, though it is part of what we do, of course. It's not something which is just done by life group leaders or by elected lay leaders, wardens and parish council, or by a parish uh, a pastoral care support team. Now, of course, they've got roles to play, they've got responsibilities, but it's something that all of us need to do as we exercise care for each other. Practically speaking, The way that we do this best of all, our gold standard care, if you like, within our church, is through our life groups. Smaller groups that meet together uh, weekly or fortnightly, where as a smaller group, you can know each other well enough to know what are the burdens that people are carrying in their lives. And by being together, you can be there to help carry those loads, those burdens that people have, praying for them, practically supporting them, being there to ask how it's going and to help one another. In verse 1 of this passage, we get a specific example of what it looks like to carry the load of another person. Here's what it says. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. The burden that is being carried in this specific example is some sort of sin that the person seems to be trapped in and which has become exposed. They've been caught out as a result of what they've been doing. So in this particular instance, what should other Jesus followers, other members of the church, do for this person who is caught in sin? Uh, Should they gossip about what has happened you know salivating on the scandal of it all no should they be thankful that gee i'm glad i'm not like them that i don't sin in the way that they do or at least my sins are hidden at the moment and haven't yet been exposed or my sins are at least socially acceptable and so it's not a problem no uh, should they say, oh, "None of my business. What they do in their own time has got nothing to do with me. I'm not having. I'm not getting involved." No. None of those things. The loving response, the one another response, is to step in and to help carry the burden, as it says here, to restore the person gently. Uh, that word for restoring is the same word that's that's used for fixing a broken arm. If you break your arm, you actually have to put it back into place and allow it to heal. Uh, That's restoring a broken arm, same sort of thing. And the word's also used in the Bible for when the disciples are are fixing their nets after fishing, they're restoring them to the condition that they're in so that they can continue to be used for fishing. And so the aim here is to restore a person and to bring them back into the fellowship of the church, despite their sin. Now, that doesn't mean that what they've done is ignored. It doesn't even mean that there aren't consequences for what they've done. There may well be consequences that they need to work through and restoration and reconciliation that needs to take place because sin causes damage. It damages relationships. It has an impact. It can't simply be ignored. But the aim is, through all of this, to restore the person Um, Even if that takes time, even if it's difficult to restore them into that relationship within the church community. And it's got to be done, notice, gently and humbly. And being wary not to act superior because we're all sinners saved by God's grace. Uh, And it also mentions that we need to be wary not to be tempted ourselves. Verse 1, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Notice who it is who has to do the restoring work. It says, you who live by the Spirit. That's not referring to a special class of Christians, some sort of spiritual Christians as opposed to normal Christians. It's not talking about clergy or ministry leaders or elected people. It is everyone who has God's Holy Spirit living in them. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus and has received the Holy Spirit to live in us, to shape us and guide us. Living as a Christian, as we've seen, as Andy reminded us last week, means being led by the Spirit, being in step with the Spirit, being guided by the Spirit. That we live the Spirit way as opposed to the way of our flesh, not just following our own selfish desires, our own wants, whatever we want we just take, but to actually shape our lives and be guided by the Spirit of God. So in this specific example, being led by the Spirit, being Spirit-filled and Spirit-led Christians, means carrying the burden of another person, specifically someone who has been caught out in sin and needs helping and restoring. So here's the challenge. Do you have place to do this sort of thing in your relationships with other Christians? Is there enough trust in your life group that if a person is caught in sin, they're willing to admit that to the group and ask for help and confident that the group is trustworthy enough to gently aim to restore them in that situation? Are you willing to talk about the struggles that you're having with sin, with other people who are fellow Jesus followers? Is there enough trust there that they're not going to gossip about you and judge you, that they're not going to simply ignore it and say, well, that's none of my business, but they're willing to step in and say, we're together in this. We're on the same journey together. This this is something that we're on together. How can we help you in this thing that you're struggling with? You know, there are people in your life group and in your Christian Friendship Network right around. Uh, People who are watching this digital service with you who are struggling. They're struggling with anger. They're struggling with greed and materialism. They're struggling with an addiction to pornography. They're struggling with idolising their work or their study. They're struggling with a dependence on alcohol that is unhealthy and numerous other areas. That's the reality of other followers of Jesus around you and in your networks. Is it your business to help them? Is it your desire to help them? Will you help them? Will you ensure that there's enough trust in those relationships? and in our groups, to enable this sort of burden-carrying to take place. Well, the importance of doing all of this is highlighted in the last section of this passage that I want to focus on in verses 7 to 10, where we shift images, if you like. We shift from the image of carrying heavy loads to a farming metaphor, sowing and reaping. The image is is pretty simple to get your head around, right? If I plant carrot seeds, then I expect carrots to grow. If I plant zucchini seeds, then I expect zucchinis to grow, right? I don't know that much about gardening, but I know that much. And so too, Paul says, that the things that we sow in our lives will result in matching consequences. As he said here, a man reaps what he sows. So if we sow to please the flesh, right, remember the flesh being those areas of our life which are out of step with God, just doing our own desires for our own selfish sake, then there will be negative consequences that flow from that. In fact, as it says here, you will reap destruction. Destruction. Wow, that sounds serious, doesn't it? But it's a sobering reminder that we can't keep on living out of step with God and expect that life will be rosy and go well. As verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Right? God is a holy God, God is a God who will call us all to account. And it's foolish to try and trick God and to do things behind God's back. Right? God doesn't have a back everything is seen by God everything is known by God so let's not fool ourselves and think we can somehow trick God. instead we're encouraged here to sow to please the Spirit right to orientate our lives in a way where we please God where we do things his way even when it's costly and hard where we actively resist the desires that will lead us away from God and align ourselves more and more with God's Spirit and the way that God wants us to do things. We're told here that sowing to please the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, we often think of eternal life as some sort of future-focused, life in heaven, pie in the sky when you die sort of thing, but... Biblically, eternal life is a fullness of life that starts now and does go on into eternity, goes on forever and ever. So sowing to to please the Spirit, seeking to align the way we live as God's way, actually leads to a better life now and is a training and preparation for the life that will go on forever. You may have heard this quote. Uh, from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. It's a good reminder that small things build up and have long-term consequences. It's a reminder that living the life led by God's Spirit is, is slow and steady work. You know, every single day, we make a bunch of decisions. And each of those decisions may feel inconsequential in the moment, but each one of those decisions shape us. They shape our lives, they shape our habits, they shape our character, they shape our godliness. So that small decision that you made this morning to resist temptation actually builds a fitness for the future to resist future temptations when they come that your way. Your weekly decision to be generous and to give to God's work, to set aside money each week to give to the work of God actually builds a habit of generosity in your life. Uh, The orientation that you determine to have that when you gather with other Christians, you're going to look out for the needs that they have, to actually ask them how they're going and to look for ways that you can help them, shapes the person that you are. It shapes you into a loving servant who is willing to be someone who eases another person's burden and helps to carry the load. And here's where the sections that we've looked at link back together again. The idea of sowing and reaping has a personal challenge for each one of us, that individually we need to watch our lives, we need to guard our thoughts and our behaviours and our habits, that what we do matters, God sees it, and we need to be shaped into the people that God wants us to be, people led by his spirit, both now and into the future. But there's also a corporate challenge here too. This is not just about individualism. Remember, we're all in this together and we have a responsibility to one another. And so we do need to help one another to sow in order to please the spirit rather than sowing in order to please the flesh. When we see our brothers and sisters struggling along, getting off track, we need to step in and help them, to challenge them with gentleness and humility, to encourage them to fix your eyes back on Jesus, refocus on Jesus, and let's head his way, to align our steps together with the Spirit of God and what God has revealed to us through his word as the best path for us to walk on. Christianity is a team sport. Our commitment that we have to Jesus necessarily unites us with other people who have also made that commitment to Jesus as well. It means that we are one another. <laughs> Together we need to care for one another, for all of those who are in Christ with us. And so as you watch church along with other people who are watching with you as you gather with other Christians for life groups uh, for any sort of gathering what are the opportunities for you to encourage each other and challenge each other where are the opportunities to help each other be led by the spirit and to walk the way that Jesus has called us all to walk where are the opportunities to notice when a person is struggling along and say, hey, let me help carry that load that you're struggling with as my brother and sister in Christ? Where are the opportunities that together we can make sure that everyone makes it to the finish line as we share the responsibility together, carry the load, and sow in order to please God's Holy Spirit and walk in His ways?